It's a tremendous privilege to speak to you today from God's Word. And in a moment, I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. But before I do that, I want to sincerely ask for your eyes and ears during this time, because in just a little while, Ryan and Jamie are going to walk out of here, husband and wife. It's going to happen. But for us, right now, this is our opportunity to sit and to listen to the Word of God. And it's a privilege, it's a rare privilege, for whatever reason, we might never have again. So I want to begin here by reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And whether you are a Christian here today or not, whether you are an atheist, agnostic, whether you are a don't know, don't care, just get on with it kind of person, this is God's Word to you and for you today. John, chapter 4. Jesus left Judea and went away again into Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well, and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water, physical water, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. A few verses later, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who was called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek, or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and I pray for the help of your spirit now to speak clearly and helpfully for these people here. I pray, Lord, that your word would accomplish all that you have for it to do in this place. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this might seem like a strange passage to preach from at a wedding. After all, the Samaritan woman is not exactly what you would call a positive role model for marriage. 
you wouldn't invite her to lead a marriage retreat. She's been married five times, and rather than marry number six, she's shacking up with him. But you need to realize that the primary purpose of the Bible is not to give you positive role models and examples to follow. The primary purpose of the Bible is to show you over and over again how the God of the universe, the living God, breaks into the lives of sinful, broken, messed up people with his grace. The Bible is not a self-help book that teaches you how to turn over a new leaf and clean up your act. The Bible is a divinely inspired record of how the living God meets people right in the place of their sinfulness and showers mercy and blessing upon them because of his great love for them. And that's exactly what we see here, isn't it, in this account? Here's a woman who not only has a checkered past, but a checkered present, and it's damaged her. Most women at this time would go to the well in groups. It's safer that way. You could kind of share the burden of drawing the water. But she goes alone, probably because no one wanted to be seen associating with her, or maybe she was too ashamed to associate with them. And yet, here's the Lord Jesus Christ, the friend of sinners, coming out to her, meeting her right where she is, extending salvation and blessing to her. Jesus, the real Jesus, he's so wonderful. He's so wonderful. Others might be ashamed to be seen with this Samaritan woman, and she might even be ashamed of herself. But Jesus is not ashamed to be seen with her. And rather than being dragged down by her sin, instead he lifts her up and exalts her and ennobles her with his grace and with his mercy. And she's not ashamed anymore. She runs back into town. She goes right back into town and cries out, Come, come see this man. Come meet this man. He really is a friend of sinners, and he's willing to be a friend to you even today. It's the same Jesus even right now. But if this Samaritan woman is not meant to be an example for us to follow, then what can we learn from her? And what can we learn from her encounter with the Lord? I just want to bring out two things today from this passage. First of all, first point, people are thirsty. People are thirsty. And then the second point, Jesus can quench that thirst. In fact, he's the only one who can. So the first point, people are thirsty. And when I say that people are thirsty, I'm talking about the kind of thirst that, Je- that Jesus speaks of here in John chapter 4. He says to the Samaritan woman, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. It's obviously not a physical thirst like the Samaritan woman thought initially. He's talking here about a spiritual thirst, a universal thirst among all of mankind for meaning, satisfaction, and happiness in their lives. And it doesn't take long for this thirst to show up, does it? I mean, how many of you parents had to teach your children to want more toys? You don't have to teach them that. They know that. They, it's ingrained within them. I mean, it doesn't matter how many Thomas the Trains they have. When you go buy Thomas the Train at Walmart, they need it. They want it. But it doesn't really change as we get older, does it? The toys just get bigger, more sophisticated, and more expensive. And rather than blocks or trains or Barbie dolls, it's a new boat or a computer or a high-definition TV. I mean, you've already got the iPhone 4, but then they come out with the iPhone 4S. What's different about it? It doesn't matter. Not much, but it doesn't matter. You need it. You've got to have that. 
And though you might not see any adults in Walmart screaming for a new Thomas the Train, you will see adults screaming and elbowing and stampeding each other to get some shiny new gadget on Black Friday. It's not much different, is it? People are thirsty, whether it's children, adults, and if it's not possessions and entertainment, it's hobbies or careers or intellectual pursuits or sports, anything and everything to try to fill that void. And it's not necessarily things that are bad in themselves. That's not the point. The point is is they, they cannot satisfy, they cannot quench that thirst that's deep down. But for many people, like this Samaritan woman, it's relationships and intimacy. Among the high school, college crowd, it's the hookup culture, friends with benefits, one shallow relationship after another. And if someone finally does settle down and marry, they often treat their spouse the same way they treat a used car. You know, sometimes you just get a lemon, and you might work on that lemon, get it fixed up a few times, but eventually you're just going to get rid of it and trade it in for a new one. And so you end up like the Samaritan woman here, five ex-husbands and a new live-in boyfriend. But here's the point. You can come home from your dream job, and you can wax your new boat, and you can watch the big game on your 60-inch, however big they're making them now, high-definition TV, and you can wipe the smudges off of your iPhone, and you can go to bed at night next to your wife, husband, live-in companion, or your second, third, or fourth wife, husband, or live-in companion. But when the day finally comes to an end and the silence sets in, and it's just you, alone with your thoughts, you know deep down you're empty. You're empty. There's a hole there, and it cannot be filled with boats and TVs and iPhones or two, three, or four spouses or whatever. It can't be. Something within you cries out, there has got to be more than this. This cannot be all that life is about. Why? God tells us in Jeremiah 2, why is it? Why does your thirst remain unquenched? Why do you continue on unsatisfied? God says this in Jeremiah 2, my people have committed two evils. So we're talking about evil here. This is not neutral, and it's definitely not a positive thing. My people have committed two evils. What are they? One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've dug out cisterns, these underground water tanks. They've dug out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Why is it that people remain thirsty? No matter how much stuff they own, no matter how many hobbies they have, no matter how many relationship partners they accumulate, they remain unsatisfied and unfulfilled. Why? Because they've turned away from the one thing, the only thing that can satisfy the human soul, and that is a personal relationship with the living God. That's it. It's the only thing. They've turned away from God, rejecting the fountain of living waters, and have tried instead to dig out their own cisterns, try to dig out something that can hold some water for you. Possessions, hobbies, relationships, whatever. But all those cisterns do is crack and break. And, beloved, they always crack and break every time. Maybe not at first, but they crack and break. And the water drains out, and the person is right back where they started, thirsty 
empty, dissatisfied, and unfulfilled. People are thirsty. Does that describe you today? Does that truth resonate at all in your heart? If it does, I've got good news for you. Second point, Jesus can quench your thirst. Listen to what Jesus says to this Samaritan woman. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks of this physical water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus has living water to give to you. Living water, fresh water, flowing water, never-ending spring of water. And whoever drinks of that living water shall never thirst. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful way to say it. Never thirst. The universal spiritual thirst of mankind can only be quenched by the Lord Jesus Christ, but it can be quenched. It can. I like the way this song says it. Listen to this. All my life I had a longing for a drink from some clear spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Feeding on the husks around me till my strength was almost gone, longed my soul for something better only still to hunger on. Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy, but the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. But then, hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies all my longings. Through his blood I now am saved. Well of water ever springing, bread of life so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth. My Redeemer is to me. Isn't that wonderful? I love the title for that hymn. One word. Satisfied. Satisfied. Satisfied with the Lord Jesus Christ. Satisfied with the blessings that he bestows. Blessings like forgiveness of sin. I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. It's a blessing. The blessing of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The blessing of peace with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The blessing of everlasting joy. Don't you want everlasting joy? Isn't that what your heart craves? And the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. The blessing of being made a child of God. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God. And such we are. All these blessings, and like the hymn says, and ten thousand besides, All of these blessings and 10,000 besides belong to the person who drinks of the living water that Jesus gives. What are you waiting for? But you might be wondering, what does it take to get this living water? I mean, surely something this incredible is going to be very costly. God requires two things. First, turn away from your broken cisterns. Be done with your broken cisterns. And why would you not want to be? 
Turn away from the things of this world that you are trying to use to fill the emptiness in your own heart. Stop trying to dig your own cisterns that can hold no water. Turn away from that. Turn away from those broken pots. Secondly, second thing God requires of you, ask. That's it. Just ask. Isn't that what Jesus says here? Again, he says to the Samaritan woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he might have given you some living water. No. And he would have given you living water. That's what it says. If you knew, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Just ask. In another place, Jesus says this, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Do you see how different Jesus is from any other world leader, religious leader in history? Jesus doesn't say, If you want satisfaction, go here. Follow this path. Follow these rules. Follow this list of duty. Follow this philosophy. Jesus calls people to himself. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers, rivers of living water. You say, I can't go to him. I'm too ungodly. Romans 5, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You say, I've gone my own way for so long. Can God really forgive me? Isaiah 53, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the sin of us all to fall on him. So I say to you again, what are you waiting for? Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Why do you labor and toil day after day after day to go buy some little trinket that doesn't satisfy you in the first place? Why? Why labor for what doesn't satisfy? You don't need to. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. God is speaking there. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Again, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, if you knew, if you only knew the gift of God, And who it is who's speaking to you, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And Jesus says the same to you today. I want to close here with a specific application for Ryan and Jamie. Before you ever came to this place to be joined together in marriage, you were first created by God as individuals, saved and redeemed as individuals, for a personal, individual relationship with him. And what happens here today doesn't change that foundational reality. You know, there was a song that came out in 1965 called The Game of Love by Wayne Fontana and the Mindbenders. Some of you may know that song. Some of you might not want to admit you know that song. (laughs) But the first line of it goes like this. The purpose of a man 
is to love a woman. And the purpose of a woman is to love her man. I kind of like the song. It gets kind of catchy. If you haven't heard it, it's kind of catchy. The problem is that it's very bad theology. It's very bad. You were not created ultimately and in the first place for each other. You were created ultimately and in the first place for him. To know him, to love him, to have a personal relationship with him. The first great commandment is still the first great commandment, whether you're single or married. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor as yourself is the second commandment, not the first. So what this means for you, Ryan and Jamie, is that your first responsibility every day, every day, your first responsibility is to nurture and maintain a personal love relationship, not with each other first, but first of all with God, with your Savior. But isn't that kind of selfish? I mean, doesn't the Bible call us to sacrifice for each other, lay down our lives for each other, to love one another as Christ loved the church and all of that? Absolutely, I'm not denying any of that. The question is, how in the world are you going to do that day after day, week after week, month after month in your marriage? How are you going to do that? How are you going to love each other sacrificially? The only way you can is out of an overflow of personal joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment in God. It's only after you've personally drunk from this living water that you can then turn around and love and serve one another as you ought to in the strength that God supplies. You know the story of George Mueller of Bristol, England. Back in the 1800s, he not only had a wife, children of his own to take care of, he takes on the responsibility of clothing, feeding, and caring for hundreds upon hundreds of orphans. At the peak, I think there was over 1,700 orphans that he was taking care of there. How could he do it? I mean, you've got your own family. You've got hundreds upon hundreds of orphans that you're working with. How could you do it? Here's what he said. It has pleased the Lord to teach me a truth, the benefit of which I have not lost for more than 14 years. The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. For I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted. I might seek to benefit believers. I might seek to relieve the distressed. I might in other ways seek to behave myself as it becomes a child of God in this world. And yet, not being happy in the Lord and not being nourished and strengthened in my inner man day by day, all of this might not be attended to in a right spirit. So again, I say to you, the first great and primary business to which you ought to attend every day is to have your own soul happy in the Lord, to maintain a personal love relationship with your Savior. And, beloved, it is not easy. It is not easy. When things get busy and circumstances press around you, your personal devotional time is always the first thing that the devil attacks. Always. You have to carve out that time. You have to guard that time. You have to daily refresh your souls with living water, and only then are you able to love and serve each other as you ought to. 
Lord bless you guys. Let's pray. Father, what a thing, living water. Lord, I pray that you would seal this word to the hearts of those here. Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to souls and draw people to yourself. And Lord, those of us that are believers, help us, Lord, daily to drink from the river of your delights. We thank you for Jesus. In his name, amen.